Welcome, everybody, to the Hooligan Sports Podcast, Season 2, Episode 22. With me today, got Rico and Christian, but today is not like yeah. any other episode. Today is a special episode for wow. us. It's a big one, one we've been looking Very. forward to. Today, Very. we are being joined by former LA Kings player, current Kings color analyst, and Southern California Broadcast Hall of Famer, none other than the one and only Mr. Jim Fox. Yeah. Zagadon, is it back on? I'm on, guys. There he is. There we go. There he is. We hear the voice. Hey, yeah, there we go, Foxy. It wasn't just archive footage. It's it's him. It's right. really him. We rolled the old <laughs> old footage. Of Thank you, Foxy, for being a part of our show. Thank you for joining us today. Um, there's been a lot going on. Obviously, it's been crazy times. That's been the theme of our show for like the last. What four or five months? Crazy times. Different. It's really different for all of us sports fans. But um, regardless, we still obviously talking about sports. Everything going on now that sports are coming back. There's a reason to be, I guess, optimistic. There's reasons to be cautious. But I mean, we we still got to go for it regardless. We're still gonna keep marching forward and trying to, you know, get this going. Um, I so, know. Yeah, I'm- Rico, yeah. if you want to get it started. Yeah, with, with that in mind, Jim, you know, four months, right, and going with COVID going on, how how has it affected you, you know, being in the sports industry? Everything just went to a halt and stopped, you know? what What's the life of Jim Fox right now during COVID and no sports? Or yeah, it's, um, you know, it's not difficult. Uh, you know, it's just you have to be disciplined. You, you have to try to do whatever you can to make sure you're, you're protecting the, the public health. Uh, you know, my wife Susie and I—that's what we've been doing. We've been we've been in and out, back and forth, but you know, mostly staying at home. Uh, you know, daily walk has been a, a fixture for the four months now, which we didn't do before. And uh, having you know, finding out that I have a really nice neighborhood here in Redondo Beach, <laughs> really didn't get a chance to take a look at before. Definitely can't go wrong with the South Bay. Yeah. So you know, you're just trying to to make sure that you're protecting yourselves, but at the same time, protecting others. Uh, we have been following all the guidelines as far as the wearing the masks and social distancing and staying home when we need to stay at home and only venture out when you need to. So uh, that's basically been the way it's been. And uh, we probably plan to, to you know make it that way. Uh, trying to keep track of what's going on, uh, you know, but there hasn't been much news until recently when everyone's coming back now. So that's, that's good for everyone. Um, still trying to do my daily Spanish lessons, which I'm trying <laughs> to, to get, get going. And how's that you know, going? I found it a little easier in the beginning. Now it's dropping off a little bit back and forth, but uh, I'll try to get back to that to make it a daily thing. Um, and that's basically how I'm uh, occupying my time right now. Good. Well, it's good, it's good to hear that you and Susie are doing great, Jim, you know, uh, if anything, we just want to make sure everyone gets through this, you know. But with that in mind, like you said, things are starting to come back. Restaurants are opening up slowly. You know, life is kind of coming back, and, and definitely sports is coming back right now. Besides hockey, what 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 does Jim Fox watch out there also? What other uh, sports fan are you of? Uh, you know what? That's uh, since the lockdown. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a sports wise, I'm a big soccer fan, so that. Mm. Okay has been shut down until recently. Of course, over in Europe, everything has been you know, going again. And then 
Uh, Premier League just played their last games on yesterday. So, uh, but trying to trying to watch that as much as possible. And all honestly, what I've done is I, I've really haven't done a lot of it before, which is the Netflix and all the new movies and TV shows and series oh, and man. watching and doing a lot of that. And what what is what is on Jim Fox's Netflix playlist? Yeah, what are yeah, you binge watching? Do you watch Tiger King, Jim? Uh, I, did watch it. I did watch it. It took me about two months after everyone else had finished it before I went into. Oh man! I mean, you know we're we're still trying to get Bustos to watch it. He won't watch it. I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's it's interesting. <laughs> it's a little weird at, at times, but uh, yeah, very weird. Oh, yeah, a lot of weird. <laughs> not not everyone's like us, right? They they get right. to, they get right. to be unique and do their own thing. And I mean, I, I've I've finished a lot of series already. Uh, I, yesterday I just finished Schitt's Creek, uh, mm. so that was very, very that was very interesting to me. That was so well done, uh, as good a show as I've seen. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one yet. Anything on Netflix? I've gone, uh, you know, went back, uh, did some old uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know, okay. catching up with that type of stuff. The uh, classics now on the Kaminsky uh, Kaminsky method. All right, there you go. Just, you know, something I never did before. And the one thing I've never done before, guys, really, is you know, I, <laughs> I've i got hooked on this, uh, you know, uh, America's Got Talent, British Got Talent. <laughs> it's one thing on YouTube. Okay. I've done that, and I fought, and then, you you know, they have the 10 best this, the 10 best that, and I try to still work out every day, so I do work out for an hour every day. I have an elliptical here at home, and um, okay. I throw that on while I'm, you know, working out and getting to... Uh, I mean, YouTube's been around for a long, 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 long time. <laughs> yeah. Finally, just, you know, getting into all the, the deep into what's going on and finding out that uh, there's some pretty good stuff out there. Yeah, you end up going down that YouTube rabbit hole of like one video, then another video suggested, and then another video suggested, and the next thing you know, it. it it's 3 a.m. Yeah, it's 3, it's 3 a.m. Like, You're like, well, yeah, what am I doing? I'm, up watch, still? I'm watching some guy digging a pool in the jungle right now, and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'll tell you a story, guys. I, this is a while ago, of course, when, when you know I mentioned I sat beside a player after practice, and you know I asked him, you know, what are you doing? What do you do? What do you like? What do you what do you like to do? And he says to me, I like YouTube. And I said, Oh, you too. I said, They're really good. They do really good. He said, No, YouTube. I hadn't heard of it, so You're like, yeah, Bono, of course. Yeah, I, I was introduced to it by uh, Sean Avery. So, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that okay. Sense. <laughs> that definitely makes sense. That, I, like, hearing that, I'm like, this sounds, this sounds like Sean Avery written all over it. This yeah. is Avery in the early days of YouTube, also. I could definitely see yeah, early it. Early days. <laughs> early days of YouTube, when he was still around. Yeah. Uh, Christian, I think you got the next one, right? Yeah. Um, I got, it's funny. I was actually uh, looking at somebody's comment in the in the in the YouTube channel, and uh, it came up with my question. As a matter of fact, you know, with the with many teams in, in the hockey bubble in Canada right now, uh, how do you feel about hockey coming back after a, a four month layoff? And uh, how do you feel about the Kings not being part of the regional? Well, we knew we weren't going to be part of it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think you know they didn't earn the right to be part of it. They weren't close to a playoff spot. They weren't. Yeah anywhere near there so you have to you know we can talk till we're blue in the face about what's going on and why they decide this way and uh you know with a you know a team that loses in the qualifying round has a chance to get the first overall pick yeah Yeah, Yeah. that's amazing (laughs) but i think that they've done a great job and you know it's they 
we all know it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be what we're used to. But you know what? It is different. This is yeah. the first time in a hundred years. Yeah, definitely. In a hundred yeah. plus years that it's had to experience this type of thing where you, you know, and now it's affecting the whole world. So, yeah. You know, and, you know, the news that came out today, but I'm not going to overreact to it, but, you know, zero positives as far as the COVID testing. Great. Um, That's great news. Yeah, they have the bubbles. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if there is one sport that is based on emotion and crowd interaction. It might be hockey. Yes. So that's going to be something, you know, get to get used to. I mean, especially when we're talking like playoff hockey, specifically when it's, you know, so much of the crowd feeds into the, you know, the game. And it, it's such a difference maker for, you know, home ice advantage, you know, basically taking out home ice advantage of the equation of the playoffs, I feel like is going to be very interesting to see. Because like you said, this is a once in a lifetime or hopefully let's hope cross our fingers. Yeah, once true. in a lifetime event yeah. that we're going to be going through. And that that alone is, you know, enough for, you know, to keep my attention and everything. Just like I'll, I'll be looking at it, obviously, from a different perspective. I, it's, you know, cool to hear you say the same thing because it's something new. And I feel like sometimes something new and some changes maybe sometimes scare people. They just want the tradition and they want it to be a certain way. But in a way, I'm kind of embracing the the this new way of having playoff hockey this season. Yeah, the adaptation yeah. of NHL is great. It, it was either do something or don't do anything at all. And, and we needed to have some names on the cup this year, at least, whatever format it had to be. And, like, as far as, you know, I, when Christian had asked about the Kings, I know they weren't technically uh, eliminated from the playoffs. I don't think that game – they were really close. I know there was, like, a win or two away from that actually happening, but the season ended before. But is that something that maybe the players – are aware of or you know what I mean like knowing that they could have potentially gone on some magical Cinderella run or something like that but that opportunity will never even present itself is that something or, that or, or even play spoiler they could have played spoiler at the end there because they were on a seven game winning streak too so could have went a lot of ways knowing what I know now this is the way I feel guys the Kings have the second overall pick that's it yes I mean, yeah, not exactly. gonna argue. Yeah, not gonna argue that. I dig it. They they didn't earn the right to be close. Uh, you know, they decided to make it 24 teams with the, you know eight teams getting buys and 16 teams playing in a qualifying round. That's 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 the way it is. I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. And again, the way things worked out, um, hey, I would like to have first pick, right. but they have second pick. I'm not thinking about what could have been the seven game winning streak at that. No, that's. That was, unfortunately, under the circumstances, too little, too late. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, last time we got second pick, Jim, uh, it kind of worked out for us with Dowdy, right? That, uh, that certainly did. And, you know, I, I'm a little old-fashioned. I understand, and every time I tweet something about it, they, you know, they point out, well, it's because they don't want teams to tank. I understand that. But I'm old-fashioned. I think the draft should be reverse order of finish. Boom. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean – and that's funny, too, because we remember two years ago, um, the Kings, I'm not saying that they lost out on purpose, but they lost, you know, to end the season. And we ended up moving back. I forget how many spaces did we end up moving on the like, on the <laughs> Kako Hughes? Overall pick. Yeah, because all season we, want, we were talking about, like, us. We were like, oh, let's get Kako. We're going to get second overall. And then we end up moving back, get Turcotte. Still, yeah, it still worked out well for us. This time... 
the season ends and we're on a long seven game win streak, you know, Kings fans are kind of already looking like, oh, where are we going to draft? Where are we going to fall? And I remember that last game in Ottawa, the last game of Staples against Ottawa, everybody was like, you know, if the Kings win this game, we're going to move two spots. Uh, and San Jose is going to take our spot as the second worst team. And everybody was like, you know, do you purposely lose? Do you purposely win? Do, you know, yeah, as yeah. far as the fans are concerned, that's everybody, you know, the, the talk of yeah. that kind of stuff. I'm sure the players that never crosses their mind, but the fans are like, you know, they're doing more damage. And it's weird. We seven game uh, win streak and we end up winning and moving up the op exact opposite of the year before. It's I don't know if it's the hockey gods noticing that we're not tanking right there and rewarding us in that. Keep in mind that the year the Kings picked Drew Doughty, the Kings won the last game of the season to jump from one yeah. to two. Basic, basically, again, there was the odds and all that stuff. Right yeah. So I believe that game was against San Jose, right? It might have been. I mean, it's disappointing. I think it was San Jose. It was disappointing at the time. But then it turns out great. So well, I mean, it's, all, yeah. it's all done on the ice. And, and I'm glad I'm glad we picked Dowdy over Stamkos. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, hindsight. Right? Big call. Big call. So, so speaking of draft picks, um, I have a question for you, Jim. So far, under the leadership of Rob Blake, how would you say, obviously, the rebuild that we're currently going through? How would you say it's progressing? Um, I know we've been number one farm team as far as you know the hockey news and all the publications are recognizing the Kings as the top, you know, uh, prospect pool. So. How do you feel Blake is rebuilding the Kings currently? And what are some of the young players that you personally are excited to see and develop and to start contributing to the Kings? First thing I'm going to say there is this. The last time the Kings were rebuilt was Dean Lombardi. It probably started with Dave Taylor and Dean took over. and then, But that was before the salary cap. There is a huge difference rebuilding or building when you have to do so with a cap versus without a cap. Mm -hmm. The handcuffs are on. Yeah. Like when Vegas came in, I've mentioned it before. If you went to all 31 GMs right now, 32 soon, I guess 32 are in operation because right. Seattle does have Ron Francis. <laughs> right. And said to them, I'll give you the same rules that Vegas had to select a team. You have to get rid of your own team Right now, gone. If this happened once every, you know, if they couldn't happen all at the same time because it would be diluted. But right. I think you'd get 32 general managers saying, I'll take that deal right now because you get to wipe out your mistakes from the salary. Cap. Yeah. yeah. That's what you, you get to start with a clean slate. Now, when Rob took over, you didn't have that. Uh, they did feel that they still had enough. Uh, that year they lost to Vegas in four. And then the next year, you know, Kovalchuk comes aboard. You know, you're trying, you still, they still thought they had that one last chance. And that was not there. So now they've regrouped from there. I, I, I'll, I'll be like you. I'm not going to speak for it. I'm going to let the independent critics talk about how the Kings are doing. And everyone feels that the replenishing of the system is right there at the top as good as anyone. So uh, I feel like it's been a fast time as well. It's like, I'd say the last two years specifically has really, you know, revamped the cup, you know, re changed the organization in the last two years. And I, I know like Blake has 
been in like I wouldn't say like like you know you're saying he's in a tough situation with the cap. Like that's definitely something that was you know aware there were some contracts there's some things that Lombardi did at the end that maybe were I wouldn't say questionable but he was he, you know he was going for it. He was trying to make that last push. The window was open and unfortunately I I personally always loved Lombardi. He was always, you know, I liked how he did it. I always used to love the when they do the like the breakfast with the GMs and, you know, like where fans can ask him. And I feel like he was very open and he was very like easy, you know, easy to talk to as far as his his overall plan and what he wanted to do. And the fact that we got two cups from his plan was obviously amazing. So I, I, I feel for Blake in the sense where like he had he inherited a situation, like you said, not only the cap, but the way the Kings were structured coming off of these two cups, that to be able to in the last two years to you know, reinvigorate the system with prospects. And now the future, now like our window, you know what I mean, is much closer than it was, I feel like, two years ago. And well, again, yes, there, there's been a change in direction, though. Mm-hmm. You, you were discussing it. They, they thought they still had enough. And then in one year, they realized they didn't. They had to make that complete switch. And they did so. And so there's a sacrifice to that. What you do is you sacrifice current wins, current standings. You know you're not going to be up in the standings. And you're going to replenish, and that's what they're doing now. So, I think uh, you know the. If you go again to the Lombardi thing, if I were to count years, I would say it took seven years, yeah, to rebuild. And that was under without a cap, where he was able to kind of just get rid of players or bring players in here and there. You can't do that anymore. Yeah, it's you so much can't. harder. So much harder. Yeah, the league now, has now definitely to, changed. Yeah, but now a, a lot of the system is exactly where you want it to be. Having said that, there's still going to be some growing pains here, guys. Mm. It's still going to take a while. To me, it takes at least three years with the group to play together before they get to know each other and start learning how to win. And I don't. I think that three years is just starting next year. So, because it took a couple of years for Rob to 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 get rid of as many contracts as he could, and probably wanted to get rid of more, but yeah. unable to do, you need a taker for that. You need someone to take that. Um, so now I think the clock to me starts with a three year issue of a group that has to hurt together, be punished and then grow from that pain to become a Stanley cup contender. Yeah. I, I, I agree sense. with that. Um, regarding this upcoming draft, I think, it's in October. I don't know if there was a set date, but I know it's uh, after this season. Who do you think, in your in your personal opinion, what do you think the Kings are going to do with the second overall pick? I know there's rumors they're going to trade it. I know there's rumors about Byfield and Stutzel. And uh, in your opinion, wh- what do you think is going to happen? Uh, I've heard every rumor in the book. This It's fine. It's fine with me to have rumors. That's fine. I think that the Kings in the front office is exploring every single opportunity, every single option that's out there. They're exploring it. They're thinking about it. They're running it through everyone and saying, what's we, okay, uh, move up to first pick. So that's what people are saying. You know, it's going to cost you your second overall pick. What else is going to cost you? you know, right. That's, again, you need to take her. You need the other team to, you yeah. know, whoever that team's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a pretty solid because it's going to be one of those teams that come off the, uh, the qualifying round loser. So yeah, 
you know, it's not going to be a bottom dweller, so to speak. Um, I, I don't have enough knowledge. I've probably seen the same footage you have on Byfield and Stutzle or Stutzel, whatever they want to call him. And I'll, I'll get the pronunciation when he gets here, if he does get here as a king or as a visiting player. Um, <laughs> I'm just going by history. I'm going by what the kings have done, what they have, how they have won. And to me, uh, a big number one center looks good to me. So that's, that's what I'm, that's, again, for people, when they, when they go and talk about rumors, if you don't think that the Kings have been exploring those options, they're exploring every single right. possible combination you could think of. Having said that, when you explore those, you need it. You need the other teams to, to agree. Right. And, and that's, that's a whole other thing. I, I mean, going back to earlier, talking about YouTube, looking at the draft or the player rankings for the upcoming draft, I end up going on YouTube and going down that rabbit hole of every Byfield highlight video and every Stutzel highlight <laughs> oh, video. That was me. I, yeah, and I, I, I can't decide either. Highlights, that was all in. That's another me feeling for Rob Blake because I'm just obviously I'm not out here actually scouting guys. I'm just looking at highlight videos on the internet, but I see things in both players where I could be like, man, you know, that can really change. The team for years to come with as far as Byfield as like a dominant center. And then you see Stutzel and seeing that goal scoring ability get pumped into the Kings, you know, in a couple of years. It's it's tempting as a fan on both sides. You're like, how are these guys making these calls or even like we're saying mind, other other options? Keep in mind how many years it took the Kings to make the playoffs after they drafted Andre Kopitar. It sure. doesn't happen right away. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a long time a nice of developing. Piece. It's a nice piece. And again, if you're looking at the style of a player, it's very difficult to overlook a number one center. I agree. My position, you know, you probably rate, and I, I know that the German guy, uh, or is he Swiss? Excuse me, whichever. German, yeah. German? Yeah. I believe he's a German descent. He can play both. More of a dancer, more of a skill, more of a quickness player. Uh, but again, Byfield would be if everything went normal and he progressed and developed like everyone would expect him to be based on his ranking. Then you're looking at a 10 year player down the middle. That's going to be very difficult to handle. Yeah, I, it's it's definitely something obviously to be excited about. You got to be optimistic. But like you said, every lot of little things have to be going perfect along the way and everything has to work out to get to that plus, point. But yeah, plus. Plus, he's playing in Sudbury with the Sudbury Wolves, and I grew up eight miles outside of Sudbury in a small town called Coniston. So we saw the Sudbury Wolves play all the time. So, you know, there's a local flavor there. <laughs> so there's yeah. a little, he's a little ahead of them on for you. Awesome. So, I like uh, the bullhorn. What is that? A, is I was just saying, I like the, it was totally, ran, totally random. I like the bullhorn. <laughs> you got it. Uh, Christian, you got it. I think you're up next on this. Um. I want to switch it up, actually, speaking of playing careers and such. Uh, you know, before your, as we know, before your broadcasting career, you played nine years with the Kings. And I want to know, um, what was your favorite moment in your playing career with the Kings? Well, that's a difficult question. Um, I like to hit the hard to question. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the biggest game, of course, was the Miracle on Manchester game. Okay. But, you know, unfortunately... Unfortunately, I look back on my playing career as very disappointing, uh, personally and as a team. Uh, certainly, my first year, we were fourth overall in the regular season, lost out in the first round. 
but we seem to have a good year, bad year, good year, bad year, good. There was no continuity between the players year to year, change eight or nine players every year. Uh, and the 10 years that I was around, I missed one full year with injury. In 10 years, I, I played for nine different coaches. So wow. unfortunately, those are the things that stick out to me. Uh, but again, the playoff series against uh, the Oilers and the Miracle in Manchester. And, and in all honesty, playing against that Oiler team was I mean, that 85, 84, 85, 80, maybe the best team I've ever seen. I mean, that's, you know, high quality skill players. Yeah. Uh, but with the Kings, you know, having a chance to, to see the triple crown line early on, to play with Dave Taylor, which I will never forget. Just an honor to be on the same team as him. Uh, Larry Murphy was drafted the same year as me, unfortunately left the Kings due to some contract issues. And, you know, at one point ended up playing the second most games in the history of the National Hockey League. Um, but being close friends with him, roommates with him, living across the street from him in Culver City where we used to practice, um, those things come to mind. And then, of course, at the end, it was Wayne Gretzky coming aboard and seeing how not only the team changed and Los Angeles changed, but to me it was how the league and the way the other teams, the way the officials, the way the NHL front office, how they looked at us because now we had Wayne Gretzky. That changed everything. It's, it's funny you mentioned the miracle on Manchester. I was, you know, going through old Kings highlights, you know, over this quarantine. And one of the things that I was watching was, you know, the miracle on Manchester because I've only ever seen parts. I was watching the ending of the game and something that, I had never realized, but I thought was awesome, especially I was going to bring up now, is in the dying seconds of that game, right before it was tied, it was you who stripped the puck from Wayne Gretzky with 11 seconds left, would have eventually dished it off to the game-tying goal. And I was just like, that has to be one of the coolest things. In such, to in strip that, Wayne Gretzky. To strip Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> and he had the puck. I mean, it was a bouncing puck, but he was trying to get under control to shoot to an open net, and you're the one to strip it from him pass it and score the game time goal with I was like nine seconds, eight seconds left has to be, I mean, crazy. Just, just to say, yeah, I mean, it is, but you know, it's, it's not, I mean, I understand when people bring it up uh -huh. and I don't think it diminishes Wayne Gretzky's career. At all. Oh, no, it's not. It's not. It's fine. Whatever. I think a lot of people bring it up. Oh, it's good. You know, well, you know what? I was the extra attacker. I jumped on for the goaltender that was pulled. I, I, my job was to go to the puck, get the puck. Uh, you know what? I'd be lying to say if I knew it was Wayne at the time. I, I, I probably did. You recognize certain things, but under those circumstances, with under ten seconds, or you got to, you have to get the puck. Yeah, and you know, puck. Yeah. I, I like to point out too that you know, winning the series was also important too. I mean, we ended up not only winning that game and the biggest comeback in the history of the National Hockey League in the playoffs, but you know, winning the series and. And uh, ticking off the Oilers enough where they end up winning five in the next seven Stanley Cups. <laughs> and and I, I wanted to ask you that, Jim, because that was back in the day where you guys won at the Forum. You guys had to fly back to Edmonton. But both teams shared the same plane. How was the oh vibe in that plane? Because, yeah, not, now to every team has their own plane. But back then, teams shared planes. Yeah. No, I no, we didn't, we didn't share planes. Oh, okay. I thought you guys shared planes. Oh, okay. Oh, right. We did. 
Rico, we did we did share the plane that night only because of okay. the scheduling issue that happened. And we played back to back, right? We played right, right. one game in LA, one game in Edmonton back to back. And that was basically the only way to get both teams into that. Normally, that must have been an interesting flight. <laughs> normally we would have chartered and had separate planes. Okay. But it was just a scheduling issue. But, you know, it's a story a lot of people don't know, but the Oilers boarded first and they kind of sat in the front, which mm -hmm. was weird. And as I was walking on the plane, I grabbed Kevin McClellan and popped him a couple. I grabbed Marty McSorley and Dave Semenko. And I, grabbed, I, I, I packed them weight down. <laughs> so that the next night, no one, you know, they didn't have enough energy. To they knew. Them. They knew better. They knew. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That is great. Marty probably wasn't around then, so I, I lied a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, like, for the story, though, anyway. for the right. story, it works. <laughs> no one can fact check from inside that plane. Um yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's a funny story, too. Like, once again, like, oh, that's another, like, once-in-a-lifetime kind of a thing. Like, another interesting wrinkle into that story. And like what you said before, you ended up, as a team, creating the ultimate villain origin story of the Edmonton Oilers and their terror on the league for the next decade. Yeah. They, they, so it was our fault. It's, that is peak <laughs> Los Angeles Kings right there. <laughs> they needed to learn. I mean, it, it's it's – no doubt over the next five years after that, again, the highest skilled teams I'd ever seen. Very true. But they had to learn. They just had to learn that last look. Once they learned, boy, whew. They had to learn. They learned so, well. So, Jim, going from player life to broadcast life, you, you sat most of your career alongside the great Bob Miller. What was it like to work with Bob Miller? And what what was that personal feeling like during the 2012-2014 raising of that cup together? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, just working with Bob, I, I'll, I've said it many times, it's, it, it, it is the best seat in the house. I have the best seat in the house <laughs> because I get to listen to a Hall of Fame broadcaster sit right beside me. Uh, I think with Bob, and I've mentioned it before, but I think the biggest compliment I can pay him is this, professionally, is that he covered the emotion of the game appropriately. He didn't overdo it. He didn't hype things up. And when things were low, he didn't, you know, he just was spot on with covering the emotion of the game as it was happening at that time. Um, his flow phenomenal uh, you know that and then just you know the where people have gotten to know bob his easygoing nature off the ice and his storytelling his joke telling you know that that just makes it so much easier but it was a very difficult struggle for me initially because i just was not uh, i wasn't any good at it and it really took a blow to my ego and you know, just coming off being a professional player where, you know, you're pretty much on top of the world. And, you know, I had to kind of restart and start all over again. So it took me three, maybe five years before I got comfortable. But then to go through all the teams and all the lessons that I had to learn there. And then, as you mentioned, in 12, you know, 12 is the one we're always going to, it's the first one, right? So right. that was, because Bob had been there a lot longer than I have. And, uh, but, it was 
it was I was so happy that the NHL was able to allow us to do it for the DVD. Um, oh yeah, the the call on 2012. Because again, we don't, we don't call it. Uh, the locals don't call yeah. it after the first round, and um, that that was very very important to us, and we we were able to do that. And and I you know I've always said to me the best moments are the parades. Uh, and 12 and 14, because first of all, pressure's off. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. want it. Time to the celebrate. Two weeks, you're, you're <laughs> just going crazy because you, you're, you're on, you're so nervous about what's going to happen. You're confident, but you're nervous. Right. And then when it's all over, and then to see the Kings fans and, the, and the, the generations of Kings fans able to celebrate all at the same time, uh, that was very special. And, uh, you know, of course, to be there with Bob and, you know, we, we had a post-game show to do that after that in 12. And, you know, as soon as the Kings, you know, you know, after the initial celebration, you know, Bob says to him, we better go. We better, you know, we couldn't start that post-game show until <laughs> he was off the air due to rights and all that. So I said, no, Bob, we're not rushing. We're going to see Gary Bettman hand Dustin Brown the Stanley Cup. Right. Oh, yeah. Back there, That's even great. though we were off the air, we weren't doing anything. We're just kind of sitting around waiting. So we're going to watch that. So we watched that. And then we went down to our post-game show location, which was outside of Staples Center there, uh, where all the statues are now. And that's when we did it. So, uh, Right. You, you, you guys waited long enough. You had to see it. You had yeah. to see it. You had to see it. You waited long <clears throat> enough. Now, now, going from Bob, Jim, to Alex, who uh, friend of the podcast, by the way, how was it? How did you work on that chemistry? Obviously, you, you have to work with someone new. You got to kind of start bouncing off each other and things like that. How was that when Alex first joined? Uh, I believe <clears throat> the chemistry that you're talking about is impossible to create or manufacture. I think it just has to happen. You have to learn it. You have to go through it. I think we are just getting there now after three years. I think it'll take at least five years to build it to the point where we have a good understanding. Uh, broadcast technical parts, Alex Faust knows more about a broadcast than I will ever know because he he, he grew up in that. He, he's gone to school for it. Yeah. He studied it. Uh, his wife works, you know, for ESPN and, you know, she's in the truck and going over so they understand all of the technical aspects. Um, that's you know what I what I try to help Alex with if I can is just how to work for a team, which is different than national or you know broadcast. Mm -hmm. You're you're with the same team all year long, even though Alex does do some NBC stuff. Um, just just getting to understand that day to day uh, issue, but. Um, Again, after one year in the league, he's already getting national assignments. I think that, once again, I'll let the independent people speak for that, and they see it. Uh, his, his call is completely different than Bob Miller's call. That doesn't mean it's worse. doesn't mean it's better. It means it's different. Bob yeah. learned and continued to call more of a radio call, even when he was doing TV, which is more pass, 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 call every single thing. Alex grew up in a different generation and grew up mostly with TV, which is less descriptive because you can see it and it's just the modern day of doing it. You don't have to have the radio thing. Um, okay. So it's different. And um, 
again, I think that the LA Kings are in great hands with Alex. Uh, yeah. If, if he, if after a cut one year, basically then people are asking him to do national uh, broadcasts, I think it's, that he's caught everyone's attention. It says a lot. Yeah, you, you're definitely, it's a different generation, right? Bob Miller, Chick Hearn, Vince Scully, they, they came from Nick Nixon, different generations of media. Uh, we're in a different world now. Like you said, that's what Alex Faust um, kind of grew up in. Um, and kind of two more questions really quick, Jim. What would your advice be for someone that wants to get into broadcasting? And besides Staples Center, what was your other favorite barn to call uh, games on? Uh, advice, it's something difficult for me, again, because I, I, I think it's probably better to get advice that way from the play-by-play -play person, because usually that person is not an ex-player. I receive my job because I'm an ex-player. Mm. Now, I had to learn on the job. I didn't have any schooling. I didn't have any idea of what was going on. So you have to learn on the job. But what I would say is to watch and listen to as many sports as possible, to try to pick up different ways of doing th the same thing. Because over 82 games and then playoffs, coming in scenario times can I tell you that Jonathan Quick is the best athlete in the world I've ever seen in goal. I mean, this guy can split, he can do whatever. But you're, you're trying to find different ways. I mean, I see a hundred saves a year that Jonathan makes that are just incredible. Well, so, and then, you know, from soccer, from golf, from baseball, you know, I'm looking at analysts. So I'm trying to, so I'm watching and listening. That's, that's my that's my advice to anyone is to watch and listen. That doesn't mean steal a style from someone. You always will have your own style, be yourself, but you can also educate yourself on how to find different ways to call the same play. And hopefully if you do that, maybe you come out that way and, and make it happen. So I know there was another part to the question, but I forgot it by now. What's your favorite, uh, besides Staples Center, what's your favorite barn to call uh, games at? Okay, to me it would be, and it's, it's no longer around, but it was my favorite place to play and then ended up being, in all honesty, my favorite place to broadcast, and that was the old Montreal Four. Nice. Cool. Very nice. Um, all right. I, going back to, like, you know, we're talking about the NHL back when you played. How do you think you would have fared in today's NHL, in the modern NHL, where there's no hooking, there's no grabbing, where skaters can skate and – all these new new style of hockey compared to old-time hockey. How do you think you personally as a player would be? Okay, first of all, size was, was an issue with me because I wasn't the biggest guy. And in the old days, that was an issue. I started my first year at 170 pounds. I came into my next year at 182 and probably played the rest of my career at 185, 186. Because even though I was not a physical player, so to speak, as far as dishing out stuff, I had to go in the corners and I had to battle with guys that were much bigger and stronger. If I were to play today, I would not do that. I would play at 170 pounds and no one would catch me. You'd be a Johnny Goudreau. That's, exa that's exactly the type of player I would try to be. That's the player I could have been. I was. Uh -huh. But again, different rules, different issues. Uh, but again... Um, you know, the numbers, I was a 30-goal scorer, basically. To me, today, that equates to a 20-goal scorer. 
goaltending being the number one difference. Uh, it's it's difficult to find room behind goaltenders now. So when I was in tight, I could score. Back in the day with those rules, it was difficult to get in tight. To get around the front of the net, they just cross-check you, hack you. You're, it's yes. very difficult to get there. Nowadays, I think if I could have got to that 20-foot circle around the net, which I think I would have been able to more nowadays than then, I think uh, my hands would have been very effective in scoring some goals. Yeah, it's always amazing to me whenever I go back and watch, you know, old games, you know, whenever they play like the NHL Network has classic games, just like you're saying the style of a guy like I was watching uh, highlights of Lemieux and like he, you know, every time he has a breakaway, there's just guys hooking him and riding yeah. all the way in. And I'm just like, this would net like, it's amazing how far the game has come in, you know, 30 years from most well, of these. It, it, the rules have created a lot of this. So which is fine, but the skill level is not even close. Mario, you know, Gretzky, any superstar could play in any era. But if you want to talk about just flat-out skill, I mean, a fourth-liner nowadays is as good as a first-liner back then. I'm talking skating speed, skating power, puck handling, how quick, all that stuff. The first time I saw Connor McDavid, it only took me one time, one shift. And I said, that is the highest skilled player I have ever seen. Wow. Ever. And that's the difference. But, you know, thinking the game, skating fast, stick handling fast is part of it. But then how do you fit into the flow of the play? How do you fit into your line mates? Do you hit the hole at the right time? Uh, Jack Ferrara, who was one of our uh, assistants and, and consultants with Dean Lombardi when he was here, he's a former general manager in the NHL also many places, and he's got rings all over his fingers from all different levels of hockey, including the National Hockey League. But Jack, he had a saying about one player, I'm not going to mention the player's name, but mm -hmm. he just said, no one gets to the wrong place faster than... <laughs> so you can be fast, you can be quick, you can be skilled, but... You've got to understand. And and would you call that the hockey sense? As that's far as the hockey sense. And that's something that can be debated over the years. Can you teach it? Uh, I think you can watch. When I grew up, all I did was watch. I went to the rink and watched every single level of hockey. I watched for eight hours a day. Then I went to public skating every day. And then I you know, practiced with my team two or three times a week and then played two times a week. But I watched, watched, watched. And that was live on TV. And I think that, you know, osmosis, you get an understanding of the game. Yeah. Well, Wayne Gretzky did say, don't go where the puck's at, go where the puck is going. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. So, be. DJ, I think you've got another, I think you have a pretty good question based off of that. Yeah. All right. So, what would you, uh, what would you say? Who's your current favorite non Kings player in the league? Wow. <laughs> that is a great question. It's going to take me some time to think about it. Uh, I mean, pure excitement, Connor McDavid. It's it's not. It's not even close. Not surprised to hear Connor McDavid's name mentioned. No. I mean, <laughs> a guy that gets me. As far as just, and we have a guy on. You know, you said non-king, but Patrice Bergeron. 
who, who, who was rumored to be a king back in 2012, right? There was that rumor of Patrice being traded for Brownie. But again, I, I, rumors. I All I know I was they mentioned know. Brownie. Yeah, that was back in 2012. They mentioned the Brownie in 12, 12 he's going to be traded. He scored a hat trick. Yeah, hat trick and wins the cup. <laughs> like, That's it. That's, just, it, it. That inspired him. <laughs> Bergeron is a very crafty player. Again, you know, there's a difference between McDavid and excitement and Bergeron and efficiency. Yeah, mm-hmm. Those two guys. Um, Kale McCarr. Colorado, you know, finalist for rookie of the year. He's only one. This kid can play. Yeah, he's uh, definitely surprised this season. I agree. He yeah. can play. And then, you know, the fastest, the most explosive player is on the same team, and that's Nate McKinnon. Explosive, straight line, mm-hmm. go, and just you can't catch him. And when he gets to top speed, so, um, you know, the game is played at a – you can – I don't know. I, I need 73 hours to explain this, but <laughs> the game is maybe too fast right now. See, yeah, I, I agree in that sense. Some, like, cause I was saying sometimes when I watch, you know, those old, like I was watching the world cup in 96, you know, Canada versus us is a classic matchup. And there's just, you know, that what they call the North American style of hockey. And it's, you know, a lot of grinding and a lot of in the corners and, I appreciate the current NHL with being speedy and, you know, offense and, you know, these moves and stuff like that. But there's still a part of me where that old style of hockey where it's just like gritty, just like, you know what I mean? It's hard, it's hard to describe it other than gritty. Like, I appreciate that, too, and in some ways kind of miss that style of hockey as well. I'll give you a little tip, guys. And I can't remember the name offhand, but it's either uh, the name, the year. It's either 85 or 86, I believe. It was the Canada Cup. And which was a round ramen series played with all the countries, the best in the world, right? Best on best. I remember those. It ended up into a th- you know, best two out of three final between Canada and Russia. Every game ended up six five. You watch that series, and you will see a combination of a little old school. And a whole bunch of new skill. The, Euro- the European, the Russians were just, and now, you know, the hockey world has come together. Uh, you know, North America has learned how to play with more skill. And I think Europe has learned to play with a little bit more, shall we say, you know, a little more grit. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're coming. But watch that series. Go back, YouTube, whatever you can find it. That, to me, you know, it, that's the best hockey I have ever seen. Now, I mentioned it before, I think the 14 uh, semifinal, Western final between Chicago and the Kings, the best series I've ever seen. I agree. I agree. But that, that's many years of our lives. The <laughs> one I'm talking about is best on best, country <laughs> on country. And that was phenomenal. Huh? Awesome. Uh, Christian, you want to go? Yeah. Um, you know, I want to make it a little bit more lighter. I want to. Uh, you know, keep it in the Pacific Division, as a matter of fact. And uh, just kind of curious, uh, Jim. So, how does the Vegas experience now with the Golden Knights differ compared to when the Kings, when we had Clark County all to ourselves? You know, Frozen Fury. We miss Frozen Fury, Jim. We miss it. <laughs> we miss it dearly. Yeah, that's that is a credit to Kings fans. You know what? 
Someone will write a book about that one day. I mean, just that experience. <laughs> yeah. uh, really, how it yeah. grew and grew and grew and grew. And you can talk about the hockey, which was great. You can talk about the atmosphere in the building, which was great. You can talk about the just so many different elements, you know, Vegas being a party city and your ability to go down and have some, you know, gamble, have fun. Yeah. But just the whole, the weekends it became, sometimes there were two games, sometimes one, it just, that, we would tell people that this is the closest you're going to get to playoff hockey in the preseason. Right, I mean, definitely. It was intense. Yeah. It was a weird preseason uh, intensity. And, yeah. it, and it was a ritual for all his fans that, Frozen Fury kicked was, off the hockey season. That was it. You know? I, think it only happened passage I think it only happened once for me. And maybe I'm, I'm just where I actually didn't have to do a game. And that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyed oh, it come on. We got <laughs> I, 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 ran, I ran into Jim at the MGM elevator. He was coming out of the gym. Um, and I was, I think I was just crawling back to like my hotel room that week. And I was like, yeah, it was a fun weekend. Like, oh, Jim's working out and I'm like, just going to bed right now. Yeah. So something else, obviously, before we scheduled this interview, I'm looking up your, you know, your hockey database, all your stats. I noticed you had a fighting major listed on your stats from October 21st, 1981 at the Nassau Coliseum. You okay. against Dwayne Sutter. Daryl's brother. Daryl's yeah. brother. What could you tell me about this? Uh, I scored a goal on the same. So I scored, turned around, and Dwayne grabbed me. And, you know, start, I, you know, I didn't end up throwing any punches. I tried to wrestle. I tried to hold on. Um, but that was basically it. It came out of nowhere. I came, I think, after I'd scored. So there was uh, just one of those weird situations. Um, so I thought I had another one along the way again against Lori Boschman, but it was it might have been just a five minute or something, or maybe a double minor. I got maybe uh, again in both both altercations. I ended, never ended up throwing a punch at all. <laughs> so, so once again, going back to our YouTube rabbit hole, we ended up finding somebody uploaded old you know games and old clips, and there's a clip of the fight between you and Sutter, which was interesting. To see, and I definitely would agree that it seems like you just got you got jumped. You like, I think I, I if I'm if my if I'm correct, and I'm hey, it's a long time ago. I think I just scored. <laughs> so it was after the puck was in the net, and then and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, uh, I those stutters. <laughs> Did you uh, have you, like have, have you had a discussion with Daryl about that? <laughs> I have not. No, uh, Daryl is a man of few words. Yes, very <laughs> few words. We should invite him to a podcast also. Very interesting. That would be a great episode. Very interesting. Uh, so, because Daryl Sutter, uh, you know, his relationship with the media was not always great. I think to me that was planned by him. I think part of Daryl's uh, plan <laughs> was to unite the players against everyone else. Everyone else is an, an enemy. Everyone else, the only thing that's going to save you guys is to hang together here in the room. And that included the media. I talked to Daryl numerous occasions, but again, as the seasons went on, it was less and less and less. So a very difficult relationship as a local broadcaster. But the one thing I knew 100% is that Daryl Sutter's only goal was to win. 
you know, that seems Always weird to say. Of course, it. everyone's goal is to win. Right. But he didn't care about hurting anyone's feelings. If that was able to get his group a better chance to win, that's what he did. Believe me, as an ex-player, I saw it, I watched it, and to a certain extent, even as a broadcaster, start to take on that same mentality. And uh, he is instrumental in the two Stanley Cup championships. Do you think that's what ultimately led to the... What obviously once rumors come around that the the disconnect from the team to the coaches and there seemed like there was maybe a potential rift there or something uh, alienated himself from the team uh, no, no, the no. players every, every coach has a shelf life every coach has a point that they're going to get to that it no longer works yeah look at look at Quinville in Chicago well, that, that was, was Daryl and his style, that shelf life is usually shorter than other coaches. That makes sense. But again, having watched him operate, again, the, per, the professional relationship as a broadcaster coach, I, I, to say I was close with Daryl would be a lie. It wasn't. I don't, I don't know if Daryl was close with many of the media. Uh, but to watch him orchestrate and put together a group of guys was extremely impressive. He was a maestro that way. And every single thing he did, he did at the end of the day, whether it was his first year with the Kings or his last, he was always thinking of not, that lesson might be for that individual day, but in Daryl's mind, it was always, how am I going to build a Stanley Cup champion here? That was in the back of his mind with every decision he made. I mean, well, I guess we thank him for having that mindset, obviously. We we didn't get to really see that side of him. We, we take all the benefits of it, I guess, of getting to experience that. Um, one last question as we're going to start wrapping things up. Uh, once again, I thank you for being here. This is something I always saw. I was like, if I ever get to talk to Jim Fox, I, I want to ask him this one question. Because as a Kings fan, this is something that's always been kind of like bothering me. On March, DJ 16th, has been foaming at the I've been, I've been, I've been wanting to know your. I wanted to pick your brain about this. On March 16, 2012, Kings versus the Ducks. It was a freeway faceoff, and there was a joint kind of uh, broadcast. And in this specific segment called Face Off with the Analysts with John Allers and Brian Hayward, it was you versus Hayward back and forth, and you guys were both debating your points and all this. You know, depending on the question, the question asked, Allers asked. Which team is closer to the cup? You, For those who haven't seen it or aren't familiar, I'll tell you just a quick rundown of what happened. Uh, you basically tell Brian Hayward that the, the next year was going to be the first year of a three-year window. Remember, this was in 2012. So hats off to you because you got two, two in that three-year span. He tells you basically that you're dreaming. And in the middle of your answer, Hayward pulls out his 2007 cup ring. And much to the grin of both... Yeah, flashes it, and both announcers start laughing. And I'll, once again, tip my hat to you, because you stayed in. You were a professional. You didn't break. You didn't even give into it. But it's always something that I was, like, you know, like, taking it back from it. And more so considering later that year is the first cup for the Kings. And then, much like your prediction, the Kings got another one in this window two years later. So 
you know, take me into your thought. Are we looking too much into this? I know this is something we've we've all talked about with the guys. Like, I can't believe, you know, Hayward did that to Foxy like that. That was yeah. something that always stuck out to us. So me, me and it DJ upset us, were Jim. at that game. <laughs> yeah, me and yeah. DJ were at that game live, so. Yeah, we don't we, we don't find out about it till afterwards, but then we saw the internet also blowing up and reacting. So yeah, we're... it was a surprise to me. I didn't know about it. A lot of times you talk about before you go on the air, you talk about things going to happen and you know where you're going to go with certain discussions, just so you have a, a framework of what's going to happen. Uh, so I didn't know about that happening. Um, obviously, uh, to say I was happy about it, no, I wasn't happy about it, but. Uh, I'll swear the next day when I woke up, I, I no didn't bother me at all. Uh, it's nothing that that really stuck with me. Uh, I, I think I went over a few points in that discussion of specific reasons why I thought. Uh, I remember at the beginning of the 11-12 uh, season in our pregame show, preseason, preseason. You know, you always ask what I said to Patrick O'Neill. I said, well. This, da, 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 I said, the Kings are not the favorite, but I would not be surprised if they win the Stanley Cup. I said that live on air. Now, the reason I said that was because I've been along, around the team a long time. I've seen many rosters and the configurations of many rosters. And this year, that year, I felt it was the first time that all the pieces were there. I agree. Now, they needed to add. They need to add Jeff Carter. That's what they did. It didn't happen until later that year. I made that statement before Carter was on the team. But they needed to add some things. But I saw pieces that I'd never seen before. And I think we added. I think we added Cartier a couple a couple of weeks later or something. Well, I think it was a little bit mid-season, if I'm not mistaken, because that yeah, statement I, I, I made was preseason. So. I, I don't know. Oh, okay, that's what you're referring to. Okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of the, the, of the Hayward thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I, I, uh, I thought the construction of that team was impressive. And Dean, you know, I, you know, I like to give a little credit to Dave because, you know, Quickie and Kopey and, and Brownie were all picks of Dave Taylor. But, you know, Dean Lombardi and Daryl Sutter and then that group of players uh, really, really put it together. So it wasn't it wasn't it great to see Dave Taylor get his first cup last year, Jim? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that was that was I I was in I was in Hawaii at the time, um, at the Kapalua Food and Wine Festival, <laughs> and um, just happened that we flew back on the same day as the game, and with about ten, I was working with my computer all flight long trying to get to pull it down from. And I was finally able to get a feed about the last 10 minutes of the game. And uh, that was, you know, Dave, you know, he, he was, again, part of the architecture of the Kings Stanley Cups. But now he gets one that he can, you know, it's yeah. his team at that time, at that moment. And um, there are very few players that embody or hockey and what hockey means from that skill and physicality aspect both and i think dave personifies that i think he had all the ingredients and then as you guys know along with being one of the nicest people in the world yes you have that all together in one and to see him win it uh you know we we were cheering we were cheering my wife and i were on the plane we're just we're going crazy 
and um, you know, just so wine, we had that made that wine festival extra nice off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and on the on, on the side to that too, well, Larry Robinson, of course, was a member of the staff there too, and uh, he was a consultant with St. Louis, so he ended up getting, I think, his. 11th Stanley Cup. So Larry's <laughs> yeah, so got a bunch of them. The other end of the spectrum. <laughs> so uh, speaking of that, the wine festival, as you're sipping on some Patnay Cellars, I'm assuming. Uh, so what would you rather live your life without hockey or wine? <laughs> Tough one, Jim. last targeting question out there for me. Um, the hockey is closer to the end of the, the road. Uh and wine is something you can do your entire life. There you ah. go. Hockey, hockey will never be out of my life, ever. And I only came into wine probably halfway through my life. Okay. So, uh, I, I always, you know, people ask me why, you know, as a professional player, the bottom line is, and it should be this way, I'm not complaining about it, I'm just trying to con contrast the two different lives I've been able to, to live. Right. In pro sports, it's all about the final score. They don't care how you get there. Right. Win or lose. And at the end of each night, you actually have a you have a report card. And that report card is the final score. Some nights you play well and you lose, some nights you play bad and you win. But the final score is there. It's black and white. And that's my personality. Wine takes me somewhere that isn't black and white. That it probably has more to do with the entire process and journey than it does to do with the final score. There's so many things in hockey too. There's a lot of things that lead up the process and the execution and game plan. But wine is more gray area. And it's something in my life I never experienced before. I'm, I was too black and white. Uh, now I think wine gives me something that is is a process. It's science, but there is also a little art involved. Okay. Just a little bit of that in between nuance that when you get a chance, in my opinion, to taste. A great wine. It's it affects your it affects my life. It's you know thing something I will never forget. Okay. But hockey will never go away, ever. Right. That'll you know when I when I was growing up, you know two years old skating, and you do everything. I used to drop something in the kitchen, and my mom used to say to me, "You would not have dropped that if you had your skates on." <laughs> You know, like <laughs> hockey was such a big part of my life. Uh, that'll never go away. But I, I'm so glad that I was able to experience that. So glad I was ex able to experience two Stanley Cups, even if I wasn't a player. I was around that group. And let's hope here in the next little while, a chance again to get back and, and get that feel again. Yeah, let's get oh, back yeah. to normal. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jim, for joining. Any uh, last messages for our fans out there, all the Kings fans out there? Well, again, you know, thanks for your loyalty over the years. Thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for being able to be around to celebrate two Stanley Cup championships. Um, understand that the prospects do look good. 
and all the reports look great, but it's not going to happen overnight. It's not. If it does, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it too. Yeah. But it's there is a there is a, there is a, there is a, a process here, and I think the process is more difficult under the salary cap than it was without the cap. Uh, but I think now we're getting a feeling, and expect you know you had a second overall pick. Now you're getting a feeling now that these holes and as Dean Lombardi used to say, the boxes, right? Fill those boxes. On the charts, right? Yep. Nine, yeah. Nine forward. You got a bottom floor. You got I think your- he also threw in like a New York Yankees reference in there somewhere. Yes. Well, you know, Dean was a, you know just a student of he was a student of military, and he was a student of baseball. And yeah. Dean Dean was an innovator and a pioneer in hockey as far as development. You know, in baseball, you have a rookie ball, single A, double yeah. A, and the way they approach their skill development. Hockey didn't yeah. have before. Now every team has a development department. You know, the ex-players that get on the ice with the young kids, go to L.A., go to Ontario. Every team does that right now. And I think yeah. Dean LaBoy is the guy to start that. Speaking of that, I feel like, on you know, we're talking about the prospects. The Ontario Reign, I feel like, are going to be a hot ticket for the next couple of years as well because we got oh, so, yeah. so much to look forward to down there. I know Kings fans are excited. I'm excited. I want to thank you again for – spending you know this hour with us today on on our podcast it means a lot we're all lifelong kings fans and lifelong fans of not only you yeah. as a player but as a broadcaster so it definitely means a lot to us that you're able to take time to, today to be with us our guys my pleasure uh, you know i see you guys around all the time and uh you know you you, you got it you gotta you gotta stick with the process you gotta stick with the plan uh, the process. You know, we know that if you have a lot of patience when it does happen, there's nothing like it. Very true. Very true. Yes. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate Perfect, it. guys. All right. Take care, Jim. Thanks, guys. Take care, Jim. Bye, Jim. All right. How awesome was that, guys? That was uh, phenomenal. That was great. So the man joined us. <laughs> now, and now, now we have Josh Busto. Oh, who is this guy? Get the hell out of oh here! God, you now, can't replace greatness with Josh. Now, not Jim Fox. We got Josh Bustos for those watching who yeah, are familiar. I'm logging off. Screw this. this man. <laughs> what did I'm I miss, logging. guys? Oh my God, Bustos, you missed the craziest interview. Jim Fox was oh here. Oh my God, Bustos, what's going on in baseball right now? What's going on with the Marlins? Fill us in. You're the baseball expert. Marlins, I mean, they have 11 players who has Doronas. <laughs> the whole 11. team is white. The yeah. same pitcher's got to pitch every day. <laughs> I know. Um, watch, all of, our, all of our viewers right now that were tuning in for Jim Fox are like, oh, they're talking about baseball? Uh, uh, screw this. Screw this. That's not I real mean, sport. See, aren't you glad, though, baseball's back a little bit? See, what's interesting, no, I'm happy, though. Definitely happy. What's definitely interesting, happy. though, is but, NBA – MLS, there and, Tom, and Tommy loses the Zoom link. Look at this! Crap. Wow, oh, is he going <laughs> to jump in? Those guys are playing in a bubble. Baseball isn't playing in a Tommy, bubble. Tommy, check the Facebook messages. Baseball's playing at home, and now they have the biggest outbreak as far as in sports in 2020 on a team on a team level on a team scale. I mean, and the Dodgers are going to a hotbed right now in Houston. Are there problems with the Astros? Are any guys no, in the, with the, the, the whole Just city in the city in general? Yeah, it's weird because, you know, like we're saying, baseball was the only one who didn't choose the bubble option out of all the the leagues restarting. And 
it seems like they're gonna have a potential like potential doomsday scenario. Potential, like, potential Tuesday. What am I hearing the echo? You had one Tommy, shot, Tommy. Turn your one volume shot. down. Jesus. I know, hold on. One shot, Tommy. Jeez. Jeez. All Dude, this that mad life. Jim Fox leaves and then all the riff Everything falls apart when Fox leaves. Everything falls apart. TV right now. That's why. Because I was watching you guys on a big screen TV. Wow. What's stunning high mom? definition. You get to see my sketchy beard in stunning high definition. <laughs> We're talking Mike, about the Mike Miami, uh, Miami uh, virus. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, Miami, the, the Miami Coronas. Uh, okay, Busto, so tell me what's going on. So, Dodgers. Don Mattingly has managed to screw the Dodgers out of a World Series. And you know, what's the funny about this? The Marlins <laughs> are. The funny is the Marlins are actually leading the NL East right now. But we're saying, of course, it's the most Don Mattingly thing ever to stop the Dodgers if, from winning a championship. If they pause the season. Yeah. <laughs> If yeah, if was there a rumor that the Phillies, there's guys on the Phillies who had it? Was that confirmed? Well, they want to get tested just in case they they, so they don't spread out. So they postponed they postponed tonight's the game, game tonight between the Yankees and the Phillies. Oh, that's now, what it was. Didn't they cancel the Bustos and say they don't play? What is it a two game series or a three game series? They were supposed to play a two game series, but they played back. It was supposed to be a two game series in Philly to the next two games in um, New York, but we'll see what happens. I don't know why you can't play a doubleheader in New York to make up yeah, the game. Do you think if they cancel it completely, are they going to make it up at the end of the season? No. No? no. Like, no, no playoff implications for the Marlins at all? You're just counting them out? I think, just, I think they might go by percentage. That's what I've been rumbling. That's what Boost has been rumbling off the percentage. <laughs> I mean, this is not a surprise. I was talking to someone I know who has some baseball connection was saying, the odds of the season of someone without the virus are like 0.0%. And you wouldn't be surprised if the season somehow stops. You guys, I forgot. We forgot to shout out our sponsors. I don't want to do when oh. Jim was here. But now yeah. that we got time, um, let's get with it. First and foremost, rumor has it that if you go to hooligansports.net, you Word? enter the promo code podcast. All right. Suppose this is a rumor. There's a rumor. <laughs> if you use the word podcast, you get 10% off of your next order. What's with that LAFC one? That is a terrible head show in Los yeah. Angeles shirt. Can That's you guys like tell me I'm just throwing this out there. I know, you know, we're, we're company men, but I got to get my I gotta get my grievances out there. That is an awful shirt. I'm going on strike. Can I mute your guys' microphones? I'm just trying to do the ads, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need this. I don't need this every time. I don't need this. I need the slander. <laughs> also, you don't forget, able- shout out to... Rose Cremation Service in Bellflower, California. Complete cremations for $995. Um, I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. It's a family-owned is business. A, a coup, is that the coupon code? That's, that's yeah. You just call them, let them know. I saw on the Hooligan podcast that it only costs $995. And they'd be like... Do you have to be alive to say that, though? Or can like... No, I mean, come on. It's a very killer deal. Wow. Ugh. It's a straight on. fire deal, bro. Wow. I can't take you guys anywhere. It's a real, it's a real burner. I can't take you guys <laughs> anywhere. And Next. last but not least, Think shout about out tomorrow. Today. Yeah, he said it on the Big Nick's ad, but yeah, Rose Cremations, don't forget. And last but not least, Big Nick's Pizza in San Pedro, California. Shout out to them. If you haven't been there, check them out. Delicious pizza. Um, Get the hot wings. Rico, you're the expert on this one. Yeah. 
Get the get everything there. Get everything. My there, mouth man. is watering is right so now looking good. at this commercial. It is so good. I I also want to give a one quick shout out to uh this up and coming website. It's called BeyondTheMorningSkate.com. They they do very good sports uh hockey related articles on it. So go ahead and check them out. Yeah, definitely check those guys out. They were showing us some love as uh, yeah. setting up the Jim Fox, you know, getting word out and stuff like that. So we appreciate that. Um, Stephen Lil in the comments is wondering, does Big Nick's deliver to Bellflower? Asking for a friend. Are you in Bellflower, Stephen Lil? <laughs> Gonna have you come come through. You know episode. what? If you go to the Grubhub app, I think they yeah. do. I think some random guy will pick it up for you or girl and drop it off. <laughs> <to Bellflower. laughs> They're tipping very well, Stephen. Hey guys, uh, LASC is winning two nothing. Hey, Tommy, yeah. shut up. Why do I gotta like? Why do you guys Tommy, just want me to end this episode like Tommy, right Tommy, here? Shut, shut your mouth. Hey. Tommy, don't you have a baby to put to sleep? I hear Zach crying in the back. You should go tend to him. I haven't been off of work this early for a while. Let me. Well, go back to work. <laughs> UPS <laughs> called. They need you. Go get the hazard pay. Okay, so uh, let's talk, let's talk about. All right, guys. All right, guys. Let's talk about the Dodgers. I mean, look at the first two games, and then what happened the oh, last players. two games? You can't win them all, man. I know it's a short season, but they did look good this first. No. They, they embarrassed them so much the first two games they, that they yeah. angered, they angered them the last two games. We are still a threat this year. They felt sorry I, for I'm the Giants. Honestly, shocked that we managed to get a two game split against the Sacramento River Cats posing as no, no. Honestly, Saturday and Sunday, if you guys notice, Wood and uh, Urias, uh, they both struggled right out the gate. Right, Wood out especially. The gate. Yeah, Wood, really Wood had a struggling day Wood, on Saturday. Yeah, Wood looked horrible. He wasn't on that Otani level, but yeah, for sure. And he wasn't throwing one-on-one. At least Alex there. got some outs. Right. I don't know if you guys saw Shohei made his debut from Tommy John surgery. Um, was it yesterday? The day before yesterday? yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. No, yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday failed to record a single out, meanwhile getting five earned runs in the process. And a guy who was normally throwing 101 is throwing around 93, 95. That's definitely something interesting. I know we don't talk angels much, but I just thought that was something. He's throwing 93, 95. That's still fast. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that drop off from where he was at, seven miles an hour is. So, yeah. so you guys are not worried, right? I know fans are worried about this first four games. I'm not I worried. I can't take this guy no well, way. You know what? I feel like after Friday. You know who's not worried? Harold Baskin. That dude. <laughs> After Friday, uh, they kind of like I was telling DJ they took their foot off the pedal. They kind of relaxed and it bit them in the butt. And the Giants gave them a hard time. River Cats, the Sacramento River Cats. You know, Basically. but let's see what happens, let's see what happens tomorrow. Yeah. Long right there are two big games that hopefully they don't get let their uh, emotions get so, the best of all. All right, let's you your guys' opinion on this. Are the Dodgers immediately throwing at the Astros tomorrow? Because uh, like, yes, I hope so. Is it going to be that obvious? Is it going to be like right away? Oh, yeah. First, first guy up, he's getting beaned, or is it going to yeah, be something that, later in the game? Get, they might get, they might get thrown at. I like practice. this straight to the head. Bustos, I like it, but honestly, I, I want the dub in the box score. Bustos, do you think is there any Vegas odds on far as far as a bench clearing brawl or anything along those lines tomorrow? Is that something nah, people, I don't know. They bet on the fan duels yet? Yeah, is that something they, people bet on? They'll come out tomorrow. Bustos, hey, put, put money on it. They're, they're gonna start throwing balls at them in pregame warmups. Like, oh, sorry. In batting practice. <laughs> yeah, just freaking all early on every. I mean, I'm. Right. I'm but I'm I'm just saying I wouldn't be mad if Walker Bueller on his 26th birthday, which is tomorrow, by the way, happy 
happy early birthday, Walker Bueller, my favorite pitcher on the Dodgers. Friend of the podcast. Okay. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Um, so, I'm just saying, if he, throw, if he throws a, a 100-mile-an-hour fastball to Alex Bregman's Nutley region, I won't be mad. <laughs> no. How, how many innings are we going to use Bueller tomorrow? Give me the win. No, I want what? the dub, yeah. I want the win. Why not both? Why you not can both? do both. Why not both? Yeah. Just because they get hit doesn't both mean they can't them. win. Okay, 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 okay. win first. If I don't want to give him a chance. Bueller first pitch, it's Bregman. Is the ump going to throw him straight out? Straight out because they're going <laughs> to throw him. Right? Oh, Probably. Oh, Syndergaard? He's like, oh, you're done. Probably. You're done. Look what they did to Syndergaard. Throw, mean, throw, it behind his, throw it behind his back. Yeah, look what happened to Syndergaard. He threw it behind Ali's back and got tossed. First yeah. What if he just accidentally says the ball slipped out of his hand and throws it straight into the dugout? It'd be the it's, worst lie ever, but worth it. It'd be Fauci. It'd be Fauci as first pitch throw. <laughs> Fauci. What happens if somebody can just like every single pitch foul him off into the dugout? Why don't you just know. walk up to him and cough on him? No. Wow. No. Oh, come on. Okay, guys. All right, guys. Who can we acquire no. from the Marlins what? by tomorrow to put in <laughs> to put into the lineup? No, guys. I, this is a better one. What if every swing, the bat just automatically comes out of their hand and straight into their dugout? All right. Call Gavin Lux back up. Just kidding, guys. All joking aside, though, the idea, the thing I would love the most right now would be the Dodgers to absolutely, like, you know, in a in a copycat of Thursday and Friday night's games against Sacramento, just to have an offensive onslaught, and then somewhere down the line when we're up eleven or twelve nothing on the Astros. There we go. You know, just just, it, funky, you know, just keep you hitting think- guys until it's like eleven, twelve, and then start playing think- for real again. You yeah. think the the Dodgers have a fire? Wow. The, you see no, because that is a lovely background, Rico. I might add. Oh. They're get, they're getting embarrassed. They got embarrassed by the Giants on Saturday and Sunday. So you think like, hey, we're gonna face a good Houston team? You know, I don't think Saturday wasn't necessarily an embarrassment. It was one of those things where it got out of hand, but they did they did mount a comeback. Alex Wood didn't pitch well. That's plain and simple in Santana. Yeah. I'm referring to it as an embarrassment because they knew they were the better team. <laughs> They knew they could have beat them all four games, and they—I feel like they just took it too lightly after those two beatdowns. I was—I so. was lagging earlier, and not looking at the comments on YouTube. I didn't realize there were so many comments, but right now, uh, Stubbs just wrote: "Has there ever been a game where every player was hit by a pitch? No, <laughs> intentionally no. or unintentionally? <laughs> I believe that's—I think that's the homie Chris Newton, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Chris. That'd be—that'd be pretty." Pretty hilarious. Yeah, didn't that happen on Naked Gun or something like that? <laughs> hey, I, that's what spring training's for. If it, that happen, right? if it hasn't happened yet, maybe it can happen this week. Yeah. Tuesday, Who knows? Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. Well, I mean, I just. I just want. Boosters are crying again. I just want. The Dodgers bats to wake up, especially Mookie and Cody, because they didn't have a good first four games. You know what though? I feel like Mookie feels like he has so much pressure on him. He needs to just but relax. yeah, just relax, yes. man. Just play but the game. he did he did make one amazing play in the first game that led the Dodgers to victory in the the seventh inning where he slid into home on a ball. I don't think ninety nine percent of the players would have been out at home, but he yeah. found a way to be safe. Yeah, they said his time to home is like three seconds, and the MLB average is five. That's crazy. Yeah. 
That's great. That was one of the most amazing plays, and he's such a good defensively. So he hits a little slide, but I would like to have seen him hit a little better. And he looked a lot better last night, but then got a little unlucky in the hits. How long does this yeah. until this becomes the main storyline? If say Mookie is struggling out the gate, how many people are going to be, you know, talking about the contract, talking about all that? Well, I think everyone will have bigger expectation, but if he just bats 270, 280, gets on base and drives in enough runs, I'm not complaining because he plays such a great defense and such a great base runner. He's going to make up those runs on on those those side of the ball. Look, uh, guys, those, um, are, are, are the woman that we're battling for affections with is Jesus Alma. Christ. Hi, Alma. Can't get okay, yeah. one episode. Just one yeah, Christian. Episode. <laughs> um. You, you know, jumping the gun, and I'm praying to God this doesn't happen, but Mookie Betts doesn't become an Andrew Jones 2.0. Why are you he putting that out there? Why you we don't like speak that, that name ever again. Why How dare you? you? <laughs> because, man, I feel like It's been 12 like, years. I'm still angry over that. <laughs> Damn it. Hard. Like, he's just not, like, playing, like, his ball. If but it's still early. He struggled early last, last if year. If Mookie showed so, up like 25 pounds heavier than he was the last season, I don't remember how often he did. Can I point out it's still on site for me for Andrew Jones? You, you know what, though? You know what's kind of crazy is how the lineup has been in the last, you know, this series. You never would see Corey Seager bat like six or six. seven. Oh, yeah. 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 And it's just like, I don't understand. And he's hitting the ball really well right now. How's, okay, how, but it's kind of weird to see Muncy leading off, though. Yeah. I get why they're doing it, but, yeah, it's still weird. I know that they're doing the left, right, left, and, right, left, right. Yeah, yeah, But – Oh, and the, the big surprise, too, is Gavin Lux didn't start – didn't make the roster. Right, yeah. Yeah, That's actually, something big Alma, that, just, Alma just pointed that out right now in the comments. She's upset. And actually, Jeez. it was the right call. Yeah. Kiki's hitting know. awesome. Chris Taylor's <laughs> hitting the ball hard. There was yeah. no way Lux was going to get any playing time. Ever since Christian took that picture with Lux – it's just not the same. Not, not, <laughs> just, I mean, not the me. same. <laughs> I, I mean, what what happens though if everyone in Miami and was it Philly that's playing gets the Romans? The season just over. Yeah, is that the doomsday it, scenario well, right there? Is that it for the whole season? If it's I'm just telling you, though, is that they're only relegated to the to the the, Ameri- <laughs> the National and American League East though. No, they get relegated to Triple A. They do. They probably go to MLS road and just quit the season. It was like every match, every game forfeited, or something. Or do you don't or, play or, the games? Or do they bring like their minor league players? I mean, the other big news. The other big news from the situation before since we were last on, they added more playoff spots. Also, very true. Going off of what Rico just said, I feel like that's the premise of like a Disney feel-good sports movie. Like the whole team gets sick with the Ronas. They call up all the minor leaguers. They go on some <laughs> Cinderella run and win a championship. Yeah, and they're like the champs. Yeah, yeah they, end up winning, I mean, they end up winning out. They are leading the NL a East baseball right version of the replacements. Literally. I mean, I feel like crazy thing. Tommy really is watching us on a, on his big screen. Yeah. Is that what we look like on TV? Yeah, look at that handsome guy. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> so serious. Hey, get, oh, hey. oh, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> Giving the people what they want. So, I mean, yeah, Gavin Lux was definitely a surprise. You want to watch SpongeBob? I no, feel I'm like I, I, know no. th- I know they never released it while he was gone, but, I mean, everybody's speculating. It's yeah, it's obvious. Everyone was speculating why he was gone. And, honestly, he just didn't look the same when he what? came back. He seemed kind of yeah. – 
lethargic and he wasn't uh, in. You think he's got the Ronins? That was he the rumor. That was the rumor. Was they never, rumor. they never confirmed it, but he did. He joined the team like, late. Like the AJ Paul situation. Why like, was AJ Paul late? Or like Jensen, late? right? Jensen, yeah. yeah. Why was he late? And Bias, right? Didn't Bias join yeah. late? Yeah. Man. See, I mean, everybody's right. dealing with it themselves, and it's it sucks. But at what point does it cancel the baseball season? At what point? How many guys I get hurt? How many teams lose I, players I, before they're like, you know what? We're just gonna scrap this. And once I again, we're robbed. I think it's going to take a big, big breakout for multiple teams for that to happen. I think they're really, really to sacrifice one team. They're maybe even really, really to sacrifice two teams. But I think if it's like four or five teams that break, like the whole team breaks out, that's when they'll start canceling the season. Yeah. I think they're going to do what all they can to have can, point, and, uh, can, I, can I point out how stupid the Miami Marlins organization truly is? The what? team, the players took a team vote in text messages on Sunday. Should we play or not? Despite the fact that they had so many people, you know, caught with the Ronins. Well, they decided to play anyways. They didn't have that many people on positive on Sunday, though. They only got four yeah. at the time. So how do you know the other seven people were, were positive after they got that But test? still, the fact of the matter is that you have, like, you know, active play, like three active players. Then that well, means they still decide to go with it. Okay, that means we're not. Then the baseball shouldn't be happening right now with all these active players on the team. Stephen Leo what? said he had them Lou Williams chicken wings. Oh, that's a, that's another story. <laughs> oh, let's talk about it right now. Oh no, my we'll God, Lou we'll Williams, you stupid idiot. <laughs> let's talk about let that me later. let me let me thrive. I rarely talk about basketball, but I'm getting mine. I didn't so even know. Those, I didn't even know. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go for it. Go. So go for those it. who don't know, Lou Williams, <laughs> a guard for you know Clippers guard, Lou Williams, you know one of the guys who's helping contribute to them being a, a playoff contender. That you know left had an excuse to leave the NBA bubble in Orlando to attend to a family matter in in Atlanta, Georgia, and on the way back, he decides, you know what, pit stop. I'm gonna go get me. I'm gonna go get me some chicken wings. Over at Magic City in Atlanta, which is Magic, City, Magic City is not open. known for. Magic City is not known for. Uh, I've read chicken people wings. love their chicken wings. <laughs> or they got good chicken wings there, especially the wraps. I mean, yeah, they may have some really good chicken wings, but I mean, I've heard that place that you know in plenty of music videos on BET Uncut back in the day, <laughs> and uh, they do a lot more than chicken wings at that spot. Yeah, for those who aren't familiar, what is what is Magic City? Magic City is a is a strip club <laughs> that a, happens to a serve very chicken wings. Strip club. They got good chicken that wings. That just man. happens to have chicken wings. <laughs> that just happens to have some really really good lemon pepper chicken wings, named after Lou Williams. Lou, I'll take an order of the Lou. I'll and, take Williams know, twelve piece. Just bring them. Just bring them to the champagne. Piece. Just bring them. To, let me get some some Lou Will lemon pepper wings and bring them to my champagne room. <laughs> All right. No, Lou Williams like an idiot was caught taking the picture in Magic City from a fan. I don't see you know, I don't see you no know, chicken wings anywhere in the picture, I might add. And I'm, might ate him. I'm also he surprised that him. he would even let a fan take a picture knowing he's sneaking around exactly. the strip clubs like I, I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> Anyways, Lou Williams Lou, Lou Williams is a dummy, so he's in the middle of a ten day quarantine as he comes back to the bubble. And he's not missing much, so Busto's glasses yeah, started fogging up again. Hey, <laughs> He's like, I want to go to Magic City. 
So those so those Miami Marlins players that all tested positive, fourteen plus, including those coaches, do they have since, or they were all asymptomatic and just tested positive? As of right now, they're all asymptomatic. Sim- uh, asymptomatic. We, we know what you're trying. Yeah. Bustos, yeah. you've only been in on this episode for like twenty minutes, and you're already like ah. Yeah. Boosters, what do you think about the new extra innings rule about starting extra innings with a runner on second? Well, this may win you a date with Alma. Go. Well, answer the, the question. Answer correctly. Well, the, the first game we were watching between the Angels and the A's was a snooze fest. The I mean, A's? I mean it was cool. There was a grand slam that ended the game. Yeah, but really, Matt Olson, God, I mean, first baseman. how bad of a hitting were, were they where no one tried to move the runner over? The runner... Yeah. Well, because the Angels... Angels Otani messed has, up. Otani messed yeah. up. I mean, he, Oakland, the Angels gave that away. I mean, come on. That was just I'm okay ugly. with that as an A's fan. That was just ugly. That that first I can't be a judge of it because it was just ugly the first time I saw it. Yeah, we had our fantasy pick 'em for opening day going on, so I was unusually invested in that game. So much so that I actually watched an Angels and an A's game. Oh, that's yeah, how was, that's how you know I was Yeah, and X wins again. How DJ, you now you know how I feel from an A's perspective. I'm just like I need this coat. <laughs> no, I think I had the Angels picked. Honestly, I was rooting for the Angels. The Angels. One of the rare times in my life that I was like, "Come on, Otani, what you doing, bro? You, you, you lost." Wrong, I know I picked wrong. Hey, well, we all we all sucked. Me, DJ, and Christian. What are you talking about? I came in third. He was there. Oh, we didn't win. Hey, so, with, but I was with, pretty accurate on my. On everyone else was tied after that, right? Or pretty kind of. I we sucked. X wins like again. So yeah, one of the friends of the podcast, Xavier, end up winning. Tommy came in second, and Christian That's got third. That's unfortunate. Yeah, Christian came in third, and getting then the tired rest of, of us. X winning all these damn pickums. That's yeah, a sec- second league in a row that he's. I think I need to stop. We need to stop including him in the in the pickums. The worst part is he actually does know about football. Like he knows his football, but baseball, he just randomly he did the he went the Christian technique on it, and he was just choosing random teams. And you I saw, mean, he picked the Miami Marlins to beat the Philadelphia Phillies. Enough said, and then Philadelphia Phillies lost the Miami Marlins. Go figure that out. And he, up at one point, he was like 14-0 and 0 or 14-1. and yeah, 1. We're, We were yeah, like, we're dude, you could have like cleaned up if you would have bet in Vegas or something like that. Yeah, I was saying, can, I, can you make my picks for me for the rest of the season? Hey, hey Josh. Hey, dude, you should do it for the opening weekend of hockey, too. Let's do it. I'm down. I mean, we could actually technically do it where we pick the to the, the winners of the series. Or oh, once we'll just do once a week. Like everyone choose Saturday. We'll do like every Saturday game and then add up all the points. Or every the Sunday night year. game because there's only sixty games. So you figure we're yeah. only gonna get six picks. Yeah, but we should do it for five dollars a head though, not for free. I'm done. We're doing it for fun, Tommy. Bo- you know, all we have to do is oh, let's make let's make some money off bragging rights. Bustos is funding this, by the way. He's gonna put five dollars for everybody. He still owns yeah. the damn PlayStation. Well, That's I keep true. on losing. Where's that PS Five, Bustos? Well, I keep on losing, so you're not getting it no more. I can't make a prediction on baseball, anything right now. So, hey Rico, hey, uh, when you uh, email Jim Fox and ask him my question for me, okay, please? I was just left out. Sad. Yeah, no, we were running out of time, dude. I was, I was trying to push that. Definitely. We started yeah. skipping questions. Oh, there's a lot too. of questions. Yeah, for those for those who aren't know, we're gonna give a little behind the scenes here. We actually were like so excited about having Jim Fox on the show. Is we that had, like four more questions? We had prepared like questions and notes and all this stuff. We never do this. Usually, we just we were saying we show up for a podcast and sometimes like 
five minutes before the show, we're going over headlines again. Like, all right, what are we going to talk about? All right, what are we going to do about this? Yeah, what are we going to do? We'll like, we'll like, we literally, we literally just wing it. We'll just be like, I actually had a a midnight meeting last night about this. As Tommy would say, never done that before. Tommy Toe said, this is Busso's dream episode, basically. Yeah, we were prepared. It really was. Preparation in this episode. And he wasn't even. Josh off camera was crying tears of joy during the interview. Josh didn't even send us. Me, Rico, and DJ Hat. Josh didn't even send us the questions from the chat. He was going to send us. Right? Well, I even wrote we, the we, questions. We, would, we wouldn't have had a time, though. That hour went by quick. Yeah, and if you yeah. had a, if you asked us a question and we missed it in the first hour, we, we blame. Really there were, there blame. were some questions that were answered, that were like asked kind of like not realizing it by people in the, in the chat. And uh, I lost my train of thought, but you just know it happened. Right? I'm, no, that <laughs> comments right now. That he has wine in. I was like, bro, like, oh my God. Yeah, before the show, he's like, I'll go grab like, a glass of wine. We're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, dude, go like, grab it. <laughs> no, he was like, can I drink on the show? We're like, yeah, dude, go yes, grab your wine. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, Tommy always does. Tommy has always a beer. Yeah, Foxy did not And then when, when YouTube great. hits us with the warning, they're like, Jim Fox was drinking on your guys' show. Demonetize. And we're going to be like, nah, just kidding. <laughs> You imagine them? They're that thorough, where they're just like, "Was that a glass of wine?" Well, like that wasn't even Jim Fox. That was a no. It, that was Bustos. It, it was. It was. It was fruit punch in a in a in a, in a wine glass. Wow, that's why you're cranky right now, Bustos. Oh, this guy's been drinking. This guy, you can't drink with him. He takes a thimble of beer and he's done. Um, hey, speaking of, speaking of Rona's guys, zero cases in the NHL right now. Yeah, like like Foxy was talking about. Along zero with cases. MLS is at zero and NBA? See, NBA is at zero. That's what I'm saying. This. And, and, MLS, and, MLS and the hooligan cast. Down. Zero Ronas. Zero Ronas for yeah. the hooligan cast. Yeah. Uh, now, SCDs, that's a different story. Wow. But anyway, no Ronas. No Ronas. As, we, as we can learn, the teams, if you want the season, you need to be in the bubble. Yeah, that's the bubble works. As weird as it is, the bubble's working. M- now, the question is, what is the NFL going to do? They're like watching the MLB right now to see how are they gonna proceed with the season. Wow, I mean, it, it'll be interesting if MLB ends up getting a crazy spike and we lose the season before football even starts. How much time do they need to go under a bubble format of football? Because everybody plays on the same the day ske- at the same time. You know and does I mean? the schedule change? Right. Yeah, keep watching. Do I'm we sure, get a new schedule? I'm sure there's Great. some type of emergency contingency plan in place, but it'll be interesting to see how they go about it because they still – I mean, the time's running out, obviously, but they technically still well, do have are, time. Teams are going to training camp next week. The rookies yeah. have reported this week. But, but, but there'll be no preseason games. No, yeah, pre-season. no preseason game. And then they were talking about, too, they're going to try to make either a new face mask or a new mouth guard for players so they could – either will kind of be safe but then you have a lot of players like you're gonna make us a new mouth guard but here we are hitting each other it kind of <laughs> right. you know? so they're like, but you know what i was gonna i was gonna write this in the comment section for jim fox what do you think the nhl is gonna do about players getting in fights or they can condone it completely like break it up as soon as it happens Make it like Olympic hockey where there's any type of fighting, you get kicked out or you're suspended. What if you start coughing on someone? You know how there's always scrums at the end or like, you know, getting getting too close to the face goal? Wash, no, no face washes this year. 
Yeah. Is he going to play off hockey? Yeah, like, that's, it's kind of going to be like, if they do it, it's kind of going to be boring. Like, no put, no face walking, no nothing. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah, it's, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they go about that. Especially, like we're saying, playoff hockey, it's known for being physical. It's known to being, like, a lot of post-whistle scrums and a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Everybody's in everybody's face. You can't really social distance when everybody's crashing the net right there. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, that'll be interesting. Um, but I, I'm, I'm still excited to see it. I don't know if you guys saw they released the pictures of how the arenas are done up for the playoffs with, like, yeah. the stands. There's, like, a lot of video all boards, covered. and it's all yeah. covered. It honestly looks really cool. cool. It looks cool. cool. And, did you like the virtual thing the Fox did on Saturday with the stadium? It was weird. It's it weird. weird. It looked, they were doing fine until they decided to do the wave. And I'm like, no. That's, <laughs> that was weird. Honestly, you if I had to blame the wave about hockey games. <laughs> I hate the wave in general, man. Especially the video game wave. And it's funny because when they imposed the fans, the digital fans over the seats, you could still see the ads like in the pavilion, like covering the aisleways and stuff. So it looks like these fans are what? standing on the... Bustos, what you doing, bro? What are you doing? Boosting. Stretching. Wow. Stretching what? My legs. Uh-huh. If we would have done that, he would have hit us with a come on, guys, so fast. Right? Come on, guys. Mute your mind. Come on, guys. Come on. Is that your hamstrings you're showing? Yes, it's my. You guys, that was a solid, solid episode. It was awesome having Jim here, having him uh, spend an hour with us, letting us ask him some questions. It was definitely cool wow. asking him about Hayward, dude, because I'm telling you, I was like, for so long, I was like, was he has annoyed? Hey, he, 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 seemed, was, he seemed upset about that, you know. Right? Yeah. Like he, yeah, he it came out. He was pretty pissed about that. We, we again. That's why we asked questions because we didn't know. Uh, all, we felt he he's such a nice guy overall. So he didn't play everything off, but to actually get right see him saying he was even though he he, he was caught like he wasn't expecting it. Oh man! <laughs> yeah. Also, he, he was upset. Another but, interesting tidbit is when we were asking him about the second overall mm-hmm. pick. He, he kind of gave some insight there. He kind of said, like, when the Kings – well, I don't know if I'm messing up the wording, but he basically said if the Kings were to take Stutzel, but the way he worded it was almost like if they already were going to take him. And we kind of like – we were like, wait, uh, what? Did he we're messaging it? each other in the back. Or like, did Foxy give some insight on right? the strategy? Was that a scoop right here? Is it, did we just screw it up for the Kings, bro? <laughs> right? This is like great. We're going to use this to – Later on, like look, he, said, he called it. King's okay. dynasty. King's dynasty gets killed by local podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he said you can't go wrong with your pick. Basically, your play right now. And he's he's right about that. And it's he like he even mentioned like so much has to go right for these guys to pan out. Regardless, that yeah. we could well for years to come, we'll be like saying, did they make the right pick, the wrong pick, whatever. But that's obviously everything in every sport. We'll see. It's excited. Regardless, I'm glad that. We got the second pick, but yeah, going back to Foxy, it's awesome that he was able to spend some time with us, drink a glass of wine with the boys. You guys can now say that you went wine tasting with Foxy, even though none of us had wine. Hopefully, it's a start of game. More new, more guests, or or working on that. We next is Vin Scully. Mm -hmm. Bustos, make it happen. Yeah, I don't know Vin. Well, you know who I want to get, but none of you guys want him. Who do we want? (laughs) Who do you want? I can't say it. Say it. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. Let's just end this oh, podcast. Oh, I just realized now. it. No, 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 no. He's too controversial. 
I'm not gonna even say I'm not no. even gonna make that joke. I'm not even gonna make that joke. Okay, no, we'll save it for another episode. All right, guys. Yeah, come on, guys. I'm, I'm gonna watch TV now. Let's go. Everything <laughs> we had accomplished would be undone, right? All right. All the good, all the good energy and good work we put into this. The hooligans <laughs> headquarters gets raided. The amount of, the amount of slander. <laughs> Jim Fox doesn't talk to us anymore when we see him at Staples. He's like, no, I can't. The, okay. amount of, the, the amount yeah, of female really friends I have in the Kings community would slap me in the face. Wow. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey. Controversy okay, guys. Creates, controversy creates ratings, though. That's all let's, talk, let's, let's, let's end this now. Can we just agree Vince Scully's the next goal? I'll try my best. All right, right. Says, um, we'll, try to get someone, we'll try to get someone interesting next time. Where's our next guest? How about Carol Baskin? That Russian guy. No. Uh, Kovalchuk. Re- oh. Do I got to mute him? Yeah. I just muting this guy. Once again, thank you, everybody who stuck around with us the whole hour, 45 minutes. You guys are real ones. If you guys joined us halfway, you're cool, too. Don't forget to subscribe, like, Buy some shirts. comment. Rumor has it you can wear the code podcast on the website. Yeah. Just a rumor. Maybe you should try it yourself. I don't know. Just Order some Big Nick's Pizza. Big Nick's Pizza, Rose Cremation Services. Yeah, don't die, but if you need to, if you it's do, $995. No. It's a family-owned business in Bellflower. It's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, don't forget to subscribe. We'll be back Beyond next the week. Skate.com. Beyond the Yes, out. I forgot about them. I don't know if we're going to be back in studio next week or if we're on Zoom. It depends on how people social distance <laughs> and wear a mask. What? Are you talking to a shoe? That's <laughs> <laughs> my phone. Like, oh, I thought he... The worst part about this is Bustos made it a point to tell us before this episode started, and make sure none of you guys have your cell phones out. I don't want to see you guys on your phone. And what does Bustos do? I said during the interview. Like, I said during the interview. And there's like, me. Um, all right, guys. So, Josh here. With my pink pop socket. Come on, Bustos. You remember, you remember my audio sucks. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Yes, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, whatever all those YouTubers say these days. Support your local hooligans. Support your local hooligans. Shout out to baby Zach right here taking a nap. He was bored through this whole episode. Baby Z. What up, boy? We actually said that his alias is, yeah, Zach Satella. Or Zach Hacker, what was his name? Johnny Hacker Satella. Johnny Hacker Satella. We were talking about it earlier. And he's going to play for the Chargers and Lakers. That's going to be, okay. he's going to be like and the Bo Joe, Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Until next week. Thanks Look, for Tommy watching. Can't, he can't yell because the baby's sleeping. This is great. Don't forget yeah. to subscribe. Yeah. Here's where we play the music. So long. We don't have music. <laughs> 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 hey. <laughs>